Thanks for joining us for the weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. gives a Mideast prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. With so much happening around the world, especially in the Middle East, it's important that we keep our eyes focused on the Lord's return. There's literally nothing that needs to take place before Jesus can return. At this point, it's simply in the hands of the Father. But make no mistake, the time is drawing near. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on May 10th, 2018. Some have interpreted that as a spiritual falling away, an apostasy, because that's what the word is in the original. However, uh, earlier translations do not translate that as an apostasy or a falling away. They they translate that word uh, apostasia as uh, a departure. So now the question and the debate has been, is that a physical departure, as in the rapture, or a spiritual departure, as in a, an apostasy, a departure from the faith? So I went back and forth. I had uh, sought the multitude of counsel. I had the privilege last year of uh, speaking with Dr. Mark Hitchcock, uh, Dr. David Hawking, both of whom I uh, was uh, privileged to speak with at the Prophecy Conference in Oklahoma. Uh, I also uh, had uh, the privilege of speaking with Dr. Mark Hitchcock at the Understanding the Times Conference in Minnesota. And I asked him about it, and, and he is of the belief that it is a spiritual departure, an apostasy, a departing from the faith. And he, and he has a great argument, and I, I uh, uh, understand uh, how he's arrived at that conclusion. However, another uh, uh, brother that I have a lot of respect for, uh, these are true Bible scholars, of which I am not, okay? His name is Dr. Andy Woods. And he argues that uh, the case for it being a uh, physical departure so I also had the privilege of spending some time actually with uh, Andy and his wife in uh, Oklahoma. And um, he then kind of answered some questions and sealed the deal for me that it is a physical departure. Uh, a couple months ago, he sent me his recent book. It's actually a very uh, easy read. I read it in about 30 minutes. And I actually ordered some copies of it, and I want to make them available to you. And he gives 10 reasons in there for why 2 Thessalonians 2.3 is a physical departure, as in the rapture of the church. Now, um, why is that a big deal? Well, in the words of Dr. Mark Hitchcock, who believes that it's a spiritual falling away and departure from the faith, he said, if it is a physical... That's what I love about guys like this, you know. Um, they're very careful they know that they could be wrong. And I really respect that about 
especially when it comes to a a very well-educated Bible scholar, and especially when it comes to a scholar in eschatology. These are true Bible scholars. Now, in his words, he said, if it is a physical departure, then it is a slam dunk, quote-unquote, for a pre-tribulation rapture. Well, Dr. Andy Woods makes that case, and I am now convinced, and I now have to change my position And I know I'm going to get excoriated, and I say, bring it on. (laughs) Because one day, (laughs) we'll find out. (laughs) And I think that day is very soon. So, um, But I I am convinced that it is a physical uh, departure in 2 Thessalonians uh, 2.3. And maybe in a future date, I'll go on the record and um, formally uh, change my uh, position on that. If you have any questions or if you'd like a copy of the book, I have them in my office upstairs. I'd be happy to uh, get one in your hand. I think I ordered about 50 of them, and we can order uh, more as well. Just give them to you. I'm not going to, there's no charge. Um, So, we're still at the rapture, right? (laughs) Okay, so at least I'm not talking about myself, except that I myself am going up in the rapture. So um, the rapture of the church happens. The Antichrist then is revealed. And it's believed that at this time he will sign, this is Daniel 9.27, by force this seven-year peace agreement. And for the first three, this is when Israel will be allowed to rebuild their temple. The reason why we know that is because Daniel 9.27 says at the midpoint, at the three and a half years, he will set himself up in the temple and demand to be worshipped as God. That's when Israel will realize this is not their Messiah, because he will commit an abomination that causes desolation. Some believe it will be the sacrificing of an unclean animal, which the Jews know their true Messiah would never do. You have to understand that Antichrist doesn't just mean against Christ, it can mean also in the place of Christ. So they will embrace and accept this false Christ, this Antichrist in place of Christ as their Messiah. And then at the three and a half year mark, they will realize that this is not their Messiah. They will flee. They will not go back. This is Matthew 24. They will flee. Pray that your flight is not on the Sabbath. Why? Because transportation shuts down on Shabbat in Israel. Uh, Someone has uh, cleverly quipped that if you wanted to film a movie on the rapture, go to Israel on Shabbat, on the Sabbath, because there's no cars on the street. Literally no cars on the street. So you could just, you know, the rapture happened. That's why there's no, <laughs> there's nobody here because they were they were anyway. I digress again. So, uh, so the they realize then this is not their Messiah. They flee to what many believe, present company included, modern day Jordan, the rock city of Petra. I was there. By the way, uh, when we started in the book of Job, I mentioned that it's believed by some that that's actually where Job lived, was in this rock city. It is so massive, and it is so protected. And so that's where God will protect Israel for the last three and a half years from the Antichrist, who will seek to destroy them once and for all, and 
for the last three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation, he will protect Israel, then at the end of the seven-year tribulation, the whole house of Israel will be saved. They will call upon the one whom they have pierced. And then we come back with Christ as his bride by his side. One has said it this way. In the rapture of the church, Jesus comes for us. At the second coming, Jesus comes with us, ten thousands by his side as his bride. That's the second coming. Now, some have argued, well, uh, the rapture means that that's the second coming, and the second coming now is the third coming. No. Jesus does not come to the earth. He takes us up out of the earth. And, and um, it's been a while, but uh, there are some fascinating, and I mean fascinating, uh, similarities and, and typology between the Jewish bridal uh, and, and wedding customs and the pre-tribulation rapture. Let me just give you a, a couple of uh, 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 examples. So in ancient Jewish uh, weddings, the uh, groom, when uh, he would be engaged to the wife, would uh, to his bride, would say to her, I go to prepare a place for you. And that place that he's going to prepare for her during the engagement period is a bridal chamber. And in Israel today, you'll find these little room additions, these bridal chambers in the parent's house, in the father's house. That's a bridal chamber. And then he promises her he'll come back for her so that where he is, there she will be also. Now watch this. The, they don't know the day or the hour of the wedding which made it really hard when it came to wedding invitations because you would invite people, I don't know when it's going to be, but I just have to have my wedding dress ready and uh, <laughs> oil in my lamp <laughs> and just be ready because <laughs> he comes as a thief in the night and he snatches his bride away. And the best man, as it were, at the time that the father says, okay, now's the time, the best man blows the shofar the trumpet, and then the bridegroom comes and he snatches his bride away as a thief in the night, takes her to his bridal chamber where they celebrate and consummate the marriage. Forget this, seven days, not three and a half, seven, not six, not eight, seven and at the end of the seven days, they come out from the bridal chamber and they have this huge wedding feast. <laughs> it's the wedding feast of the Lamb. After the seven, the number of completion. Ah, that's like two of about 30 of these similarities. Maybe I need to do that as well, again, sometime soon. It is, to me, one of the reasons I believe that the rapture has to happen before the seven-year tribulation. One more, can I? The uniformity in the typology in Scripture is very compelling, right? The rapture's in the Old Testament, starting with, uh, in the book of Genesis with Joseph. He takes a Gentile bride before the seven-year famine, She's not heard of again after the, uh, during the seven-year famine. A Gentile bride. Uh, fast forward to 
Um, I'm going to miss one uh, or two in here. So let's uh, fast forward to, well, let's just go to Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into the seven, seven times hotter fiery furnace, right? Where's Daniel? He is prior taken up to a high position and as such is not there. Daniel is a type of the the church being taken up and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are a type of Israel that go into the seven-year tribulation slash seven times hotter fiery furnace. And who they're saved in the middle of, the three and a half year mark of, if you please, that seven times hotter fiery furnace. Who's in there with them? It's a Christophany, a.k.a. a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus is in that fiery furnace and not a hair on their head was singed. They were saved in the midst of that seven times hotter fiery furnace, just like Israel will be saved in the midst of that seven-year fiery hot tribulation. Uh, there was one other one, Enoch, going back even uh, further. Enoch walked with God and then was no more. You want to know why? Because God took him. God raptured him, and he was no more. And oh, by the way, that was pre-flood. Noah goes into the flood and is saved in the midst of the flood. Noah and his family are a picture of a type of Israel going into the tribulation. Enoch, a type of the church. You know, Here's how I like to say it, okay? Uh, Joseph's Gentile bride was pre-famine. Enoch, pre-flood. Daniel, pre-furnace, just like we're pre-tribulation. That's, it, it, it has, you, you completely destroy the type. And ask Moses about destroying the type, what happened to him. You remember when he struck the rock twice? When God said on the second time, you don't strike the rock. The rock is only struck once. The rock was a type of Jesus Christ who would only be crucified and struck once. So what does Moses do? Instead of speaking to the rock, he strikes the rock the second time. He ruins the typology. Don't think for a second that the typology is not serious in the eyes of God. He ruined the type, and it cost him the promised land for that reason. So, we're almost done. So now, the second coming, and then is the millennium, where we rule and reign with Christ seated on the throne. Okay? Now, what about the tribulation saints? What about those who don't accept the mark of the Antichrist during the seven-year tribulation? They're called tribulation saints. Are they saved? Yes, ask John. He asks about, who are these? You know. They're the ones that have been beheaded. Beheaded, And this is during the seven-year tribulation. But here's the thing. They're not the bride. In the millennium, they're serving at the throne, whereas we, as the bride who go up in the rapture, are seated on the throne. There's a delineation between those and us. Those that go up in the rapture, we're the bride of Christ. Those that are left behind, do they still have a chance? It's not going to be easy. But if they 
accept Jesus Christ and reject the mark of the Antichrist, they're going to be in heaven. And they're going to, the, the millennium, this is, this is crazy. Not, not a lot of people talk about the millennium. I'm going to talk about the millennium just for a minute, okay? All right. The millennium is a 1,000, it's the kingdom age, a 1,000 year period of time where the earth will be for 1,000 years like it was before Adam and Eve sinned. You know where Satan's going to be during this 1,000 years? Oh, he's going to be chained in the bottomless pit for 1,000 years. Now watch this. This gets really interesting. This might jam some gears. If it does, I I apologize. So there are going to be those that are going to somehow live outside of the Antichrist system. They're neither going to accept the mark of the Antichrist, nor are they going to accept Jesus Christ. And it's appointed that a man wants to die. Somehow they're going to survive. And they're going to enter into the millennium, and they will have the bodies that Adam and Eve had. And they will be prolific. And they will give birth to children. And those children will live to be, you know, upwards of a thousand years of age, just like it was with Adam and Eve. Now, at the end of the one, th- did that jam some gears? I'm looking at some of you looking at me and going, what? Well, anyway, again, we'll talk about this maybe some other time. But uh, at the end of the thousand years, Satan is loose, and there's this one final battle, which is really no battle at all, because Jesus just, you know, crushes uh, Satan. He's thrown into the lake of fire, where he spends all eternity. And then that is... In fact, in Revelation, we have a beautiful outline of this, all of this. That begins eternity future, the new heavens and the new earth. And that's where the new Jerusalem is going to be. And we're going to be in a whole new realm. Of course, at the rapture, we get our glorified bodies. I can't wait just for that, just for that. And so, but uh, this is where we're going to be and dwell for all uh, eternity is such a fascinating study. Let me just give you a real quick outline in Revelation. The whole book of Revelation, uh, uh, beautifully, um, in, in a chronological order. Uh, in fact, John in verse 3 of chapter 1 is told to write that which he has seen, that which is now, and that which will take place hereafter, yet future. So you have a beautiful outline in Revelation, the whole book, past, present, and future. Pass is chapter 1. Jesus Christ crucified, resurrected, and glorified. And John was the eyewitness. Write that which you have seen. That's what chapter 1 is. Past. Present, chapters 2 and 3. The seven letters to the church, the seven churches in Asia Minor, modern day Turkey. We are in the very last moment of church history, chapters 2 and 3. And by the way, the seventh church is the church of Laodicea the lukewarm church that Jesus says, I wish you were either hot or cold, but as such, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. This is the church that he's on the outside knocking to come back in to sup with them and them with him. Well, so chapters 2 and 3 is present. Chapter 4, verse 1, and on through chapter 22 at the rest of the book is all future. And you know what chapter 4, verse 1 says? John is told to come up hither at the sound of the trumpet. That is the rapture. And you know why? Because in chapters 1, 2, and 3, the word church is mentioned 19 times. 19 times. In chapters 1, past. In chapters 2 and 3, present. From chapter 4, verse 1 on, you do not find the word church. 
And especially when you get to chapter 6 through 19, because that's the seven-year tribulation. From chapter 6 through 19, it's all about the seven-year tribulation. The word church is not once found in chapters 6 through 19. Why? Because the church is not in the tribulation. Now, chapter 20, that's the millennium, the kingdom age. Chapters 21 and 22, the new Jerusalem, eternity future, the new heavens, and the new earth. And people say, oh, the book of Revelation, John Carson used to always say this with his belting voice. You know, the the, the book of Revelation is not a hard book to understand. (laughs) And he would kind of belly laugh, you know, like that. It's not a hard book to understand. I am, you know, I was uh, thinking about how that, um, there, there does seem to be amongst the body of Christ this uh, longing anticipation, just this sense that we're really close. No, we don't know the day or the hour, but we are so close. You know, uh, Peter asked, I think it's, it's Peter, it's getting late, you can tell. I, can, what's my name? Don't tell me. I'll, I'll remember that too. But Peter, I think, asks the question of uh, how then ought we to live? How then ought we to live? John says, I know it's John, I don't know where, but it's John, says the one who has this hope in him purifies himself. Listen, as I um, see all of these things (laughs) converging, uh, coming together uh, as they are simultaneously, I just, in my heart, really believe that the Lord's return is sooner than any of us might even begin to imagine. You know, the question was asked, if you knew that the Lord was going to come back tomorrow, what would you do differently today? And if you can answer with a list of things you would do, then the response is, well, you best be doing them now. You best be doing them now. It's like when you go into the doctor's office and they say, "Um, you better get your affairs in order. You best be doing it now because you don't have much time. And that's how I really feel uh, it is now with the Lord's return. Could it be that we have more time? Certainly it could. Not a lot. I just don't think that things that are lined up today, uh, they weren't lined up even five years ago. It wouldn't stand a reason that they would be lined up five years from now as fast as everything is going. I always liken it to the pushing of the pause button. I just don't see that happening. There's this unstoppable momentum, and everything is coming together so fast, so fast. So we're watching, and we're waiting, and we're looking up because our redemption draws nigh. Um, Father in heaven, I thank you so, so much. I thank you for the grace of your people and their their patience and Lord, I I thank you for their love for you and your word and their longing for your return, Lord. We do long for your return. And like the Apostle Paul to Timothy, we know that there is a crown that awaits this crown of righteousness that he received, and not just him, but for all of us who long for His appearing. Lord, thank You. And Lord, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of In Spirit and Truth 
with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kariohe. Now, it's so important that you hear the purpose behind these prophecy updates that Pastor J.D. shares. The purpose is to see people just like you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. When you're right with the Lord, you'll be ready for the Lord and His soon return. You can do this by first admitting you're a sinner, that you've broken God's perfect law. Second, you need to confess that there's nothing you can do to fix this. You can't attend church enough, you can't pray enough or give enough money. There's nothing you can do to atone for your sins. Third, you must realize that there is someone who can. His name is Jesus Christ, and He is the Savior of the world. He gave His own life so that you wouldn't have to experience the penalty for your sins, which is death. Please, if you're listening today, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and escape the realities of the prophecies that are being fulfilled all around you. For more information about what it means to be born again into the kingdom of God, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and select the New Believers option. Again, that web address is InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Now, in the next edition of In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. will be teaching through God's Word just like he does Monday through Thursday. And then don't forget to join us next Friday and Saturday for another timely prophecy update. Until then, may God bless you and keep you in his love.